Hello, everybody. This is the Tokyo FinTech Podcast, and we welcome today Jose from Electronic Identification. Hi, Jose. How are you today? Hi, Norbert. Thank you very much for inviting me today. Uh, it's quite a pleasure to be here uh, to talk with you and reach to everybody interested in FinTech in Japan. Wonderful. Thank you. So we have two objectives today. One is we want to learn... Now, of course, a bit more about what electronic ID does. And the second part of the conversation, you have been part of the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Accelerator last mm -hmm. year. So we want to talk about your experience and bring that a bit to life because the next batch, the application deadline is in early July. So we can inform everybody who's thinking about applying what it actually means to be part of the program. But let's start okay. with EID. What does EID do? Okay, EID is, um, in a nutshell, EID is an e-trust service provider under European regulations, which means we work on identification and authentication, also on electronic signature, um, basically for uh, people online. What we do here, our main, our core business, is uh, identifying, uh, identifying people online for financial institutions, mainly banks, and mainly for a KYC, know your customer, and anti-money laundering purposes to, to avoid the, any potential risk when opening bank accounts or contracting more complex uh, products such as uh, it could be mortgages or um, wealth management, any asset management, uh, my, my bad. and all these uh, processes. We are not only focused on, uh, on financial, but that's absolutely our core. And so you said you're, you're originating from Spain. Where is actually your headquarter? Our headquarters are in, uh, this is a funny story, uh, we are in, on Barcelona Street in Madrid. On the Barcelona Street in Madrid. So, okay. <laughs> yes. And Barcelona seems to have become a bit of a of an center for uh, technical development. You're, you're sticking to the capital. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so at, at some point, you, you as, as Electronic ID, you decided to kind of branch out into, into Asia and you were looking at the, the market. Uh, can you talk about your, your process of looking at developing that business and how mm -hmm. Japan then came up as a target market? Uh, as I was telling before, um, the, the core activity of the, of the company is identifying people online, right? So when you think of people... Where are the where are the more the most populated uh, countries in the world? It's in Asia, right? So um, if any 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 company trying to trying to survive in this kind of market has to uh, or will grow up, let's say, has to reach to Asia at some point. When this happened for electronic identification in 2018. Uh, early 2018, we started to work on, uh, to participate, let's say, on entity data innovation contests in Madrid. This uh, regional contest, uh, we won it. So uh, the company was invited to, uh, to participate on the finals in Tokyo, March or April uh, 2018, I think. So uh, there we had uh, quite a nice experience and um, had the feeling uh, also an update on uh, what the regulators were doing uh, there concerning um, identification online and KYC. So we saw there was uh, an opportunity there for our technology. A couple of months later, um, uh, a colleague from us uh, uh, told us that this uh, accelerator, uh, the TMG uh, FinTech, uh, FinTech Business Camp was, uh, was started, the new cohort. And so he proposed us to, uh, to participate uh, uh, that it could be interesting for us. So 
I checked on all these features, uh, what uh, the plan was, the journey, and I saw it was indeed uh, uh, the thing to do to start operating in Japan. So there we went. Wonderful. So very, very successful story. And how, how did the process work of applying for the TMG, Tokyo Metropolitan Government Accelerator? The process actually was, uh, was quite, quite smooth. It's, uh, submitting uh, this form online to, to be, uh, to be uh, filled and then sent to the company, to the company, sorry. Yes, the, the organizers uh, last year was uh, Accenture who was uh, managing all the organization. I, I don't know about this year. They contacted us uh, to, to have a, a small interview quite, uh, quite quick. And later on uh, in mid-summer, uh, they told us uh, we, have been, uh, we have been selected to participate and that we have to be in Tokyo in the first weeks of October. The, the journey actually was uh, supposed to be, was meant to be, and from the first week of October to uh, the first week of December, if I'm, if I'm, not, uh, if I'm not wrong, for these uh, introductions, matching, uh, business matching, and some uh, pitch meetings, meetups. That was it, first weeks of October. I was already in Japan. And so for the for the program it, itself, so it's like an eight or ten week program. You got exposure to in, a number of corporate partners of the program. How was how did all that immersion happen? How many companies did you work with? And then at the end, also, what are the commercial results for you as participating in this program? Around. Ten days, two weeks before before uh, flying to, to Tokyo, I received a, a full agenda, a full schedule on uh, meetings, and it was filled. It was uh, quite about twelve meetings, I think. I'm not uh, I'm not sure at the moment, but around twelve meetings with these corporate partners. Among them, uh, banks or insurance companies, tech companies. It was it was um, quite different uh, between them, but really really interesting and strong. The most interesting, uh, uh, the most interesting point on this is that I would have taken a lot, a lot of time to, to manage myself to get to these people, not only to these people but to these companies, to uh, sit down with me and having this meeting. So the uh, the word accelerator this time uh, takes uh, all all the sense uh, because it saves us a lot of time, effort, and of course uh, investment. Uh, to reach uh, to the right people on the right places and start having some conversations. After that, results on the commercial side. I'm not going to surprise anybody if they tell that uh, doing business for a foreign company in Japan takes some time. So you have to commit there uh, for uh, having this. So at the moment, what we have achieved is uh, doing a couple of POCs and uh, starting to work with uh, some partners. On life operations, we haven't uh, begun uh, so far, but we are expecting to do it by late uh, this year. So the time, the time uh, expected, what I've been told and what I'm going to tell if anybody asks me is uh, to start business, to start doing anything as little as it can be uh, considered. In Japan, it takes for a foreign company uh, around a year, a bit more maybe. As I told before, committing, building trust and uh, starting to do something, uh, something meaningful there. So far, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with the results. Because uh, I didn't expect to have um, a fast, a quick, uh, a quick, uh, a quick answer on the market, uh, but uh, thanks to this program, we have had uh, the ability, the, the capability, of uh, of uh, reaching the people and 
reaching or starting the engine, let's say. <laughs> not uh, not maybe the result, but starting the engine, definitely. Wonderful. So take away great access to corporate partners that would have taken a long time to get to the right level and opening mm -hmm. the doors and then kind of using that as an, as an accelerant to then get into POCs and, and developing a partner business, still realizing that you still need a patient approach in this country and it, it just takes a little bit of time to build the, the trust, of course. So not rushing it, taking very deliberate steps forward, it seems. I couldn't say any, anything better than that, yes. Um, do you have any advice to kind of other companies when it comes to like localization of the product or the documentation? How did you go about it? Did you have everything translated into Japanese or selective things? What about your, your software itself is very compact, so maybe localizing that in Japanese is, is actually not that difficult. From our side, uh, what we do is, uh, we, what we have is an API, which can be uh, stuck on a, in the middle of the platform or the application of the client as a puzzle piece. And uh, what the user, the final user is uh, watching in the end is uh, an interface uh, to show their documents, their face, and with some small instructions uh, on text and speech in, in, on the screen. What we had to do to, to, uh, to customize, to, to locate the product uh, for Japan was just translating that piece and uh, using a, um, a bot for, the, to, for doing the speech. So it was, let's say, quite easy. But it's absolutely uh, necessary, it's a must, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to adapt the product to, to the market. Then there's the recommendation for uh, those uh, coming uh, or trying to come there is in the very beginning, uh, all the materials to be shared has to be in Japanese. That's uh, that's uh, required because um, the, the first the first people that you are you're gonna find uh, are probably going to speak English, maybe a bit English or something more, something less. But uh, all the information has to reach to the to the rest of the companies, and definitely they need to have it on Japanese. That's uh, that's that's uh, something out, something out, something expected uh, to the companies, and something that has to be done. And afterwards, then you can come into the, the product. But first of all, the materials for having this approach. Absolutely required. Understood. Just going back a bit to the product and, and the regulation, are the, the European regulations and the Japanese regulation fairly identical? So that you could basically lift the product over in its entirety, or did you have to change the functionality a little bit as well? There are um, two two sides here on uh, on the on the regulation that uh, affects us. Let's say one is the uh, EKYC uh, regulation that came uh, that was released in Japan uh, on November last year, and the other one is the data privacy. Um, basically, as, as you may know, the GDPR from Europe uh, came uh, was released as well last year. And uh, Japan is working or is already released as well uh, another regulation regarding the uh, data, data privacy, which uh, somehow pairs some matches uh, the GDPR. So there's no problem there. That's for uh, on that side. That's okay. Then we have the EQYC. On Europe, uh, we have uh, different approaches on different countries, but uh, the stricter regulation requires a, a video identification, video conference, or using a video feed, a video stream. To, um, to extract the information and interact with the user. While in Japan, what uh, they have done is creating images, 
which uh, can relate to uh, pictures, to video, to anything that ensures the best, uh, the best uh, security possible. What we have, our, one of our, our edges here, our, our advantages, is that we can work with any technology on this, on this identification business, right? From pictures to video to video conference, even NFC reading, all of that we have comprised it on our API. Our adaptation is already done. We, are, we have just to give the keys to the client and let them uh, select to, to decide which kind of product they want to use. From one side, uh, my recommendation is, of course, watch the regulations, adapt your product as uh, the, best, uh, the best you can. But uh, for, for us, uh, we have this, uh, this, uh, this, queue, this uh, advantage that uh, we didn't need to adapt the product so far beyond the uh, language as we talked before. Excellent, thank you. So it looks like you're within uh, about a year of taking kind of the NTT experience also into kind of within a year, you've got really good traction in Japan and it's obviously uh, the biggest market in, in Asia, if you leave kind of China, which is very, very specific challenges to the side. What's your plan for the, for the rest of Asia? What comes after Japan? Out of Japan, uh, we, we have been focusing on uh, strong financial markets as well as uh, Tokyo is, but also as it could be uh, Hong Kong or Singapore. Our, our strategy here is to, uh, to reach uh, some references in those markets. We have uh, quite uh, some good advances in Hong Kong, soon to reach uh, to Singapore. Uh, to have some references on these strong, uh, strong places, that uh, uh, gives some confidence, some trust to other ones as it could be uh, mainland China or um, Philippines that's quite active at the moment or Indonesia, for instance. The whole ASEAN uh, area in general. But uh, our first steps are, as you, as you know, and as I have just mentioned, Japan, uh, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Excellent. Thank Jose, thank you very much. I think we'll put this out to support everybody who wants to apply for the next phase of the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Accelerator. The deadline for that is July 5th. So anybody who listened to this encouraged to to apply and open the, the Japanese market for themselves as well. I think it's very good to have companies like yours in this market and to help innovation and, and drive forward change in this country. So appreciate you taking the time and hopefully see you very soon in Tokyo again. Thank you, Norbert. It's been, it's been quite a pleasure again. And hopefully all, those, all of those uh, listening to us uh, in this program, uh, will find uh, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Accelerator suitable for them because it actually is, and I recommend it. Super. And we'll sign off for today. Thank you very much, Jose, again. This was the Tokyo FinTech podcast with Jose from Electronic Identification. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.